Amen. Bless you, man. Appreciate you, man. Hallelujah. Now, you know, Gary began to talk uh, yesterday about, about the way that, uh, that we design Karis Bible College. First year is, is to just ground us, uh, ground you in the knowledge of the Word, identity truths, your relationship with God, uh, all, all these things that will help us, uh, you know, uh, be, be successful in what God's called us to do, and especially our relationship with God and our knowledge of the Word. The second year, we, we focus on helping you uh, become confident in practical ministry that every believer is called to. So you go on a mission trip, we, we continue to have great uh, teaching and so on. And then third year uh, is, is designed to help you become laser-focused in what God's called you to do. We've got a business school, media school, mission school, worship school, and ministry school. So, you know, something is going to float your boat. Uh, some, you, I mean, you're, listen, you, we want you to do what God's called you to do. And what, we, what our heart and our desire is, is that, is that whatever you're pregnant with, whatever God has birthed in you, whatever He's called you to do, to help you fulfill that. And so you come to Karis Bible College, and I'm telling you, you'll never be the same. I have, a, I have some gifts I want to give. I've got some, uh, a couple of books. I've got my healing book called Your Healing Door. And this is just 12 chapters but how many of you know Jesus didn't heal the same way every time? He healed different methods, different ways. And um, so well, I've got examples from the Word and also illustrations uh, in here. So if you need healing, uh, let's see, uh, Alan, why don't you come here and help me? Why don't you pass this out for me? All right? Give those two to someone who needs healing, and you'll pass it on. Now this is my book, Scriptures to Live By. And all this is is categories of Scripture that um, it's, I've got Scripture on here on child training, um, emergencies, uh, favor, boldness, authority, healing, prosperity, all kinds of Scriptures. And uh, I've got these, all, these books are down, by the way, at the uh, Karis Bible College table. And so, uh, Jacob, why don't you pass these out to a couple of guys, okay? All right. Blessings. All right, open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2. You get right in the Word. But everybody knows, everybody knows that I, I like to tell a joke. And I've got an anointed joke today. It's called Three Holy Men and a Bear. A priest, a Pentecostal preacher, and a rabbi all served as chaplains of a, of a, a Midwest uh, university in the United States. And they would get together once a week for coffee and they'd talk shop. One day, someone, one of them made the comment that, you know, preaching to people isn't really all that hard. They haven't been to Decatur. <laughs> but a real challenge would be to preach to a bear. One thing led to another. They decided to do an experiment. They would all go out into the woods, find a bear, preach to it, attempt to convert it. Seven days later, they came together to discuss their experience. Father Flannery, who has his arm now in a sling, he's on crutches, various bandages all over his body. He said, well, brothers, he said, I went into the woods and I found me a bear. 
And when I found him, I began to read to him from the catechism. Well, that bear wanted nothing to do with me. And he began to slap me around. So I quickly grabbed my holy water, sprinkled him, and Holy Mother Mary of God. Mary, Mother of God. (laughs) He became gentle as a lamb. The bishop is coming out next week to give him communion and confirmation. Reverend Billy Bob was next. He was in a wheelchair with an arm and both legs in casts. With an IV drip in in his best hellfire and brimstone oratory. He said, well, brothers, you know what the First Pentecostal Church of Holiness. No grace involved. <laughs> we don't sprinkle. Man, we baptize. So I went out and found me a bear. And I began, I, and he, but he wanted nothing to do with me. I, t- I took hold, I, I began to preach to him from God's holy word. And he wouldn't listen. So I took hold of him. We began to wrestle. We wrestled up one hill, down the other. We finally came to a creek, and I quickly dumped, dunked his hairy soul. <laughs> baptized him, and he became gentle as a lamb. We spent the rest of the day praising Jesus. They both looked down at the rabbi who was lying in a hospital bed. He was in a body cast. And traction with IVs and monitors running in and out of him. He was, in, he was in terrible shape. The rabbi looks up in a weak voice. He said, well, looking back on it, brothers, circumcision may not have been the best way to start. God. We, we learn a few things after experience, right? All right. First, <laughs> Mary Hart does good like a medicine, doesn't it? Okay. First Timothy chapter 2, we're going to start, we'll read at verse 1, and we're going to focus on verse 8. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, everybody say, first of all. That supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, all who are in authority, all who are in authority. You, you know, um, do, do you know that um, referees and umpires at your kids' baseball games and soccer games and basketball games are in authority? Just, just saying. He, he said here, you're to pray for them, not to cuss them out. <laughs> but somehow we think we have authority to, to look a fool, and God said we're to pray. Anyway, uh, I don't want to meddle too much here. But then, the, the, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, 
Let's look down at verse 8. I desire, therefore, that that men, everybody say men. Men. How many of you are one of those creatures? Men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And just to show you, he's specifically speaking to the male gender. He he, uh, contrasts that or makes a distinction between men and women by, by the next verse. In like manner, also the women. And he's telling the women what he wants them to do. And he's saying, listen, men, I want to pray everywhere. I want you to model me. I want you to take spiritual authority in every place that you are. In every job, in every, in every uh, strata of life, of every dimension, every calling, every, every job, every career, every ministry, every place you are. I want, I want you to be a man of God. Amen? I want to talk to you this morning about taking your place as a spiritual leader. You. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you. Taking your place as a spiritual leader. And, and when, he, when, when Paul's saying, I desire, he's, he's speaking on behalf of the Lord. How many of you know that? So God desires that each one of us, in every place we are, as Andrew has been sharing with us, that it doesn't matter if you're the janitor, it doesn't matter if you're the, you know, a cook at a restaurant, it doesn't matter what, what your calling is, is that you would use that platform to manifest Him. That you would use that platform to establish spiritual authority. That would, you would use the influence God gave you to change and turn that situation around instead of agreeing with what is, calling those things that be not as though they were, and praying a different result. Amen. Kingdom of God come, will of God be done. Well, is, what go, is what's going on in the, in the area that you have influence, is it the will of God? If it's not the will of God, then don't agree with it. Are you listening to me? You call those things that be not as though they are. You agree with what God says, and God will use your influence. He'll he'll use your life to establish His kingdom on the earth where you are. And He's not going to do it another way. He's not going to... You can't just depend on Andrew speaking to potentially 3.2 billion people. I know the people I was around weren't listening. Because if they listened, God would change them. The reason why you're here is because you tuned in. And you got it. But Andrew's heart, and more importantly, God's heart, is that once we get it, that we manifest it. Once we get it, we establish that authority where we are. And we don't depend on our pastor or Andrew or someone else to do it. I desire that men, how many men do we have here? Men everywhere, pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Take your place. Take your thumb out of your mouth. Take your bottle out of your mouth. Take your dress off. Throw your purse away. And be the man. I said be the man. Be the man of God. Establish kingdom authority. Quit hiding behind your wife. Look at your neighbor and say, I know he's talking to you now.
<laughs> he said, I want men everywhere. Okay, Somebody, a few of you help me out. Uh, stand up and tell me where you're from. Come on, where are you from? Stay standing. If you, if you said stand up. So, uh, yell it out. Okay, listen. Everywhere. Keep standing. Everywhere. Every, I mean, listen. Every one of you could stand. Every place uh, that you are, that's where God wants to manifest Himself. That's where, that's where He wants men, men of God, to take their place in grace, but also in confidence. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. It's awesome. So, you know, you and me, Wherever God's called us, whatever platform of influence He's given us, He wants us to model Jesus. First of all, with character, with love, with grace, but also with confidence. Not arrogance, with confidence, yes? Yes. You and me, modeling Jesus' goodness, character, nature, spiritual leadership everywhere. That's God's desire. In every strata, every subculture of society, in the marketplace, and, and stop you know, stop agreeing with the place that you have is small. Listen, man, the place that you are that seems small will become large with you and God. With you, with you manifesting Jesus, with you declaring the will of God. God sets you where you are. You know, when He called me to Decatur, Texas, I thought He was sentencing me to anonymity. I'm from Houston. You know, it's like, Decatur... I didn't even know it was on the map. I moved from 5 million to 5,000 people. And, uh, but that's where I'm at. Listen, that's where I'm at Andrew. That's where I'm at Paul Milligan. That's where I'm at Bob Nichols. Now, all, all my key relationships came from, from just deciding I'm going to go where God called me to do and I'm going to magnify my office. I'm not going to compare myself with someone else. I'm going I'm to make Jesus large where I am. Amen. Hallelujah. And, you know, he also said, he also said prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. Now, in fact, he said, first of all, prayer. Now, prayer's gotten a bad rap from people that are praying unbelieving prayers. You know what? And part of unbelieving prayers is, is not just unscriptural. It's like, it's like you praying to God, as Andrew's told us a better, taught us a better way to pray. It's you, you know, here's an unbelieving prayer. You praying to God to, to do what he's already given you and I authority to do. That'd be like a deputy who was, who was deputized to, uh, uh, here in Woodland Park to police the streets, and he finds a thief breaking into a house, and so he, so he picks, up the, picks up his phone. Instead of, instead of catching the thief, he's got a short window of time to catch that thief. He sees him. He's breaking into the home, and he, and he calls the chief of police. And he says, Chief, there's somebody breaking into a house. And the chief said, yeah. And he said, would you come and, and arrest him? What's that chief of police going to say? Listen, buddy, you've got, you got, you got about two minutes to arrest a thief or you're out of a job. Are you listening to me? See, this is part of what prayer is about. It's about you and I. How many of you know the devil's defeated, but he's not dead? And it's you and I have, that have to reinforce 
the enemy's defeat in people's lives, beginning in our family, uh, beginning in, at work, wherever you're at. It's our job to establish the kingdom where we are. Wherever, wherever something is bad, wherever uh, something needs changed, don't curse the darkness, turn on the light. Amen? He called you there to pray. And, you know, prayer that's done the Bible way, it's powerful. Kingdom of God come. Will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. No, you're not going to have my family. No, you're not going to have my children. No, you're not going to have this school system. No, you're not going to have this city. And we're turning on the light. Yes, we're making a difference. God desires each of us everywhere we are in every place to manifest Jesus, to pray the will of God, to establish the will of God. Yes? Hallelujah. You know, the benefits of prayer here is a quiet and peaceable life. The lost are saved, and and that's in verse 2. Verse 4, the lost are saved, and believers grow in knowledge. How many of you think that's a good thing? You know, you know, the, you know how that happens? And I, it's not happening because it's the will of God. It's, it happens where people like you and I go into areas and we pray for someone that looks like he's in unbelief and there's no hope for him. And yet we believe God and say, listen, we're not agreeing with what is. God sent me here to manifest Jesus, to preach and teach, but also to begin to pray for that person's heart. Amen. And, and, and to pray the will of God. Then it pleases God, verse 3. And man, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Matthew 16, 19. We're going to come back to 1 Timothy. But Matthew 16, 19. Turn over there. or It's, it's, probably, on the book, it's probably on the screen. I, I will give you, everybody say me. me. You means me. Uh, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loosed. Whatever you don't want. God, listen, the will of God doesn't happen automatically. It happens when men everywhere see something that's, that's opposite the will of God. Let's just say, you know, cancer. How many of you know cancer in a body is not the will of God? Well, you know, we can just sympathize with that person and agree with them and, you know, you know, love them and all that. Or we can change it. We can say, look, no, king, that's not the kingdom of God. That's not the will of God. Listen, do you want to be healed? And I just, I just ask him, do you want to be healed? And um, I, I know I was visiting one time, and uh, I was a chaplain in the Decatur Hospital, and a volunteer chaplain, and they called. And there was a guy... Uh, in there that, that his, uh, he, was, he was distraught. His wife um, had a, I don't know what, she took some kind of medication and she was in a coma now. And they said that there's no brain waves, that she's, that she's gone, basically. And, he, then the, and they just wanted me to comfort him. And so I went in. His name was Danny. Her name was Maddie. First of all, I couldn't find him, so I went in the room and and sure enough, I mean, there's nothing going on there. You understand? I mean, I mean, it's, it's lights out. And it doesn't look good in the natural. How many of you know that's not the will of God for 46-year-old Maddie to go home early? And so, you know, I, 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 I decided, well, you know what? The, I'm going to wait to pray for her. I'm going to go in and talk, try to find Danny. So I went to Danny, and, and he's... They, they weren't uh, faithful church members or anything, but they were, they were uh, Christians. 
And so um, I began to talk to Danny and and, uh, just listen to him a little bit about what happened. And, you know, he was heartbroken. And I said, I said, well, uh, Danny, what do you want the Lord to do? Remember, he's in the he's the one that's in authority. What do you want the Lord to do? Well, I just want her to have peace. I, I said, you know, I was just in a room. Uh, looks like she's pretty much at peace. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's any, <laughs> you know. I, and I and I said, well, Danny, do you do you want her? Do you want me? Uh, do you want me to uh, just pray for you, or or would you like would you like to pray for resurrection life? He said, you can do that. So I said, would you like to pray that God raise her up? He said, you can do that? I said, oh yeah. And I just took him to some scriptures and I said, but now you're the one that has authority over her. Now listen, men, how many men are here? Okay, listen. And you know, there's probably twice as many uh, women watching online. Wives. (laughs) Your wife. Anyway, but you know, 1 Corinthians 7 says that you men have authority, you have authority over your wife's body. You do. You have authority. So I took him to that scripture. I said, Danny, right here, the Bible says you have authority over your wife's body. He said, what? Nobody didn't teach me that where I went to church. I said, well, it's right here in the Bible. I said, so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We can ask resurrection life for Maddie. Man, you can do that. Will you help me, preacher? And I said, well, I'll, I'll lead you, I'll pray, but, I, but it's going to be your authority. So, man, we stood over her lifeless body, no brain waves, nothing going on, and spoke resurrection life. And I led Danny to pray uh, that over his wife, Maddie. He prayed, and he said, will of God, kingdom of God come, will of God be done. I pray, I'm asking for resurrection life for my wife. And nothing happened. I mean, I mean, right then, zero, nothing, nada. I didn't. She didn't move. I didn't see a blip on the screen. But Danny took his authority. He he prayed like the Bible says here. He went everywhere in that hospital. He prayed, "Kingdom of God come, will of God be done." Instead of agreeing with what it looked like. Three days later, my secretary calls me. And said, there's some man on the phone. I can't quite understand him. He's excited. He's, he's hooping. He's hollering. Could you pick up the phone? And it's Danny. <laughs> and he's home. And Maddie's there. Home. Well. Hallelujah. She said, my wife's in here cooking me breakfast. Three days ago, she's dead. But how many of you know what's, what looks dead? With, with you and I taking our spiritual authority, God can turn it around and make it life. What God wants us to do is every strata of life we're in is to step into that and stop agreeing with what is and establish His kingdom in the earth with, with the authority and the word that God's given us. Amen. Um, let me do, let me take you to a family wedding with me a few years ago. I went to Houston to a family wedding, and this is where God really began to get my attention about this and the power of prayer. <clears throat> and and when when things looked hopeless, how many of you are facing something in the natural 
right now like Danny was with Maddie. It could be in the financial realm. It could be with one of your children. It could be in business, but it looks impossible. How many of you are there right now? It looks impossible. It looks like it's with, there's no hope. Well, I'm telling you, the hope is, is, the, the hope is, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's you and I taking Jesus into a dark place instead of agreeing with what is that we say we're not denying what is, but we're just saying we're denying it to have the final authority. And so I was at this family wedding, and uh, there, was, there was a relative there that I hadn't seen in uh, over 10 years, and they, w- they wouldn't even talk to me. And, I, and I've, got the, I've got this life on the inside of me. I've got this message. I've got this love. I want to share with them about what God's done in my life. They, they, won't, they won't even act. They, they, I wasn't even there to them. Then there was a guy that I used to be in business with. I was trying to reach and witness to, and I did talk to him, but he wouldn't hear my testimony. He just wanted to talk about, you know, all the things that carnal men talk about. And, and so then he went on, and I sat there, in that, in that wedding reception, in that ballroom, in despair for close to an hour while people were drinking and dancing their cares away on, a, on, a, on the ballroom floor, I was in despair and saying, Lord, I've tried to witness to them. I've tried to share the gospel with them. I've tried to, uh, you know, I, there's nothing I can do. All I can do is pray. And all of a sudden, it was like light came from heaven, lightning, you know, dawned on, on the lightning fast mind. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. With the, and He said it back to him. All you can do is pray. He said, sometimes that's my only assignment for you in that situation. And all of a sudden, I saw it. I, who had authority in every place to pray and make a difference, I was in more unbelief through my despair because I couldn't do anything in the natural to reach them, but but I wasn't limited to the natural. I wasn't just limited to my voice with them that I could still pray and I could still say, kingdom of God come, will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. I could still pray, Matthew 9, 36, uh, laborers into their lives. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5 says, God has given ministers whereby every man might believe. And so I obviously was not that minister. So Lord, but you've got ministers for them, and I'm praying you're going to send someone who's going to minister the uh, truth in love, the grace of God to them. And man, I mean, I started Second uh, Corinthians 4, 4, started breaking blindness and deception off of them. And I prayed Ephesians 1, 17 through 19 over their lives. And I'm telling you, man, you talk about liberty and freedom and, and hope and, and all that that came to me. I'm telling you guys, we, we don't have to be in despair about something we can't control because we still have the power of God in us, the Word of God, and we can pray that, we can speak that. And I'm telling you, whether you and I are the ones that will actually bring that to pass, we, we have just through our influence, have, have, in, have given God a place to have His way in that person's life, that situation. Amen? Amen? Let me give you an example of that. My oldest son uh, is a great, great man of God. He's a leader in the kingdom. He's a great husband. He's a great 
uh, father. Uh, in fact, he, he attends a, uh, Pastor Kevin Casey's church. Are you here, Kevin, somewhere? I know. Yeah, and and uh, he's a leader in their church. He's awesome. But, but let me tell you, during his teenage years and on into his 20s, he was in a, in a far spiritual country. You know what I mean? <laughs> he was... If, doctor, if, if you tell Brian, if you told Brian that, uh, you know, not to do this, if you gave him a boundary, uh, he was going to make sure and test the boundary. And um, if, if Dr. Dobson, who wrote his book, The Strong-Willed Child, had met Brian, there would have been two or three more chapters in his book. <laughs> anyway... So the devil came to me one day in my mind with doubt. How many of you ever had that? Telling me some kind of parent you are. You're a pastor. You're, you're supposed to be, you know, all this stuff with your kids. You, you're, you're preaching all this about, you know, parenting. And look, look at Brian. Look what he's doing. And, you know, and, well, the Bible says that you agree with your adversary quickly while he's in the way. So I just said, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that's true. This is happening. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a, that's a fact. But while you're here, Mr. Devil, let me tell you the way it really is. You want to know what real spiritual warfare is? That's it. And I just, okay, yeah, 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 that's happening. That's happening. That's happening. But while you're here, let me tell you, great uh, I, uh, is a piece of my children because they're taught of the Lord. My children are going to speak to their enemies in the gates. And that means you. You're going to rue the day you ever came against my, my son. My, my, children are ta- my children are taught of the Lord. Train up a child the way he should go. When he's old, he's not going to depart from it. And you know, pretty soon, I, I'm talking to myself. Because the devil's gone. So I'm not denying what's going on, but if I'm going to be the man of God and you're going to be the man of God that God's called you to do, you've got to step up to the plate when the enemy comes in like that and you've got to say, okay, that might be true, but that truth doesn't trump the truth. That fact doesn't trump the truth. Amen? And you've got to, you've got to establish kingdom authority in that situation instead of agreeing with it. What would have happened to Maddie had Danny just agreed that she's brain dead, then she'd have gone home. Now, how many of you know the other outcome is better? Now, you think about men of God. Listen to me. Think about your situation right now. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you see that's contrary to the will of God, God desires that men everywhere bring his will to bear into that situation and then just stop praying for him to do it and you, you establish his kingdom there and his will. You do it. Say, say me. <clears throat> when a situation or a relationship is beyond your control, don't despair. Don't lose hope. Establish kingdom authority through prayer, through the word, through speaking into that situation. Now, there are two primary reasons that men don't take their place as spiritual leaders. And he outlines it here in verse 8, back at 1 Timothy 2, verse 8. Look at it. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without what? Without wrath and without what? Wrath is, is anger, judgment, desire for vengeance, violent passion. How many of you know the wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God? And whenever you and I yield to anger... We stop modeling Jesus and spiritual authority. And I think it's Proverbs 14, 29 says, we forsake understanding. Yeah. 
when we yield to anger. And, and, and if you understand anger, if you understand what it really is, unresolved anger, if, in other words, if you think you're just tolerating an Irish temper, or you've got, that person just got a short fuse, that's, that's part of their life, that's just who they are. Well, that might be what your experience is in your carnal man, but how many of you know that's not who you are? Because right here he said, I want men, I want men to take their place with spiritual authority without this. Well, let me tell you what, what anger is. Unresolved anger. If you, if, you, if, you just, if you just, you know, lose it at the drop of a hat, and you don't understand why. Let me tell you why it is. Someplace in your life, there's been a violation. Someplace in your life, someone did something to you or didn't do something for you. There's been a, there was a violation. And, and, you know, we all want things to be right and fair. Isn't that true? I mean, my kids growing up, you know, everything had to be fair. And I just told them, man, boys, God is good, but life's not fair. And, you know, can I tell you, can I tell you guys that I've been, my experience is uh, everything's not fair. And so how many of you know we've all gone through, we've all gone through violation. We've all gone through something didn't turn out the way it was. Well, what happens is if you've got this anger going on inside of you, unresolved anger is really uh, the result of unfulfilled revenge. And the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But the unresolved anger is almost always a result of you've got some, some violation back here that you hadn't laid at the foot of the cross. And I'm sorry what, the, I'm, I'm sorry what they've done to you. You know, on my way here to Karis Bible College and Andrew's ministry, I, 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 uh, God spoke to me in, in 2009. He had a new assignment for me. I'm not going to go into the big story of it, but uh, I was on the board of a large African ministry. They were looking for a CEO. Uh, I felt like that was the position that they offered me that position, and, and I felt like that was what God told me to do. And so I, I, I left a 24-year secure ministry position to take over this large African ministry. Uh, the, the leader of it was 70 years old. He wanted to spend more time with his family. Anyway, long story short, after seven months, I turned the church over to a son in the faith that we'd raised up in the house. And seven weeks later, after I'd been overseeing this ministry, who, he was going to transition it to me in a, in a, within a year. Um, we'd had success on every hand. I never had an argument with him at all. Uh, he calls me in and fires me. And, and I, we never had a crossword with one another. How many of you know that's not fair? And now I can't go back and take my church over unless I'm like him. And, and, and uh, I, I talked to Bob Nichols, different people I'm in a relationship with, uh, Paul Milligan. I talked to Andrew. And, and I, think Dave, I think it was David who told Andrew. And Andrew emailed me. He said, oh, Greg, don't worry about it. This is just a sign of an insecure leader. Jealous of someone doing their job better than them. I think David's the one who told him that. And he, he said, you need to take it as a compliment. I said, compliment, man, I need a job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing is, though, see, we took about a month. How many of you know you could have, I mean, that wasn't fair. Wasn't right. Anyway, you dice it up. And 
So I, I think later we, I mean, I, there were a lot of things we were going to implement a lot of Andrew's materials in this ministry. And I think maybe they got wind of that and didn't like it or what. I don't know. They didn't, I never found out. But the bottom line is I had to make a decision. If I was going to fulfill the will of God, I had to forsake wrath. I couldn't yield to wrath, which, which if I yield to that, what I'm actually doing is taking God's place, trying to fulfill uh, uh, vengeance. And I just had to say, Lord, you know, I don't understand it. I can't make it right. And so you know what? Here's how I resolve it. How many of you know they hung Jesus on a cross for you and me and for stuff like that? I said, Lord, they haven't hung me on a cross as an innocent man. And so you know what? I'm going to lay this at the foot of the cross and I'm going to declare that I value the cross greater than my loss. And some of you today are not stepping into the authority. See, if I would have yielded to that, I wouldn't be here. Seven weeks later, I'm in Andrew's office with David and Andrew, and they offer me this position. I'm still pinching myself. I'm, I'm the dean of education at Karis Bible College from Decatur, Texas. And... I mean, it fits me. It's a blessing. I mean, I live in Woodland Park. I have to, I have to endure this every day. But it's more than that. It has nothing to do with me with geography. It has to do with changed lives. And I'm, and I'm positioned in a place where I can pour into leaders. And man, I mean, I'm just, man, Jesus. This is just, this is a dream come true to be able to help other people's vision and dream come true. But had I yielded to that wrath and that anger. Had I tried to carry out that vengeance instead of laying at the foot of the cross, I would never be here. And the will of God is only one, one offense away of you laying at the foot of the cross and saying, Lord, I'm not going to value my loss or my pain greater than what you did for me. Whew. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then another area, and I'm not going to spend a long time here, but another area that we can get into wrath is really kind of resentment toward our wives. <laughs> Who try to push us along into their image of what a spiritual leader is. One guy said, my wife is the best driver in the whole world. What do you mean? She can drive from any seat in the car. But listen, listen, listen. The Bible says, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Let no man separate. That word separate, you look it up, it, it means allow no space between. And men of God, how many men of God do we have here? Men of God, it's up to you to allow no space between you and your wife because of yielding to resentment over her pushing you along, trying to be the man of God that she wants you to be. How do we know this is true? Colossians 3 um, 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Why would you be tempted to be bitter against them? I don't understand. I can't relate. 
That's your choice. I said, it's your choice. If you're going to be a man of God that's going to establish the will of God in every area, it's up to you to lay that resentment at the same foot of the cross and say, Lord, okay, I'm going to suffer in my flesh and cease from sin. (laughs) Amen. And I'm going to establish the will of God instead of agreeing with what is and then blaming her. And when you stand before the Lord, He's going to be saying, what did you do about my call on your life not to be bitter not to be angry. Amen? <laughs> Man, I could digress here. <laughs> when I first, we got, first got filled with the Spirit, or right before I got filled with the Spirit, I'm watching the Dallas Cowboys. And I was in Houston, Texas, but the Oilers at that time weren't very good, so Cowboys were my team. And my wife walks in one day and turns off the TV right in the middle of really good game and uh, said, so we're going to have a Bible study. Bible so I'm the man of God of this house. I'll tell you we're going to have a Bible study. <laughs> well, I just, I just forsook my place as a leader when I yield to that. Are you listening to me? Now, I'm not saying you don't say something. I'm saying you lead, but you wait till you get your emotions under control. And we don't tolerate resentment or wrath toward our wives. And all the women online said... Now, I've got the airport in sight, okay, so, but you won't want to disembark yet. The second thing is doubting. Everybody say doubting. doubting. Now, there's a lot of things we could say here, but especially I believe this has to do with self, self-doubt, which many times, as uh, Arthur shared yesterday, is a focus on past failures or valuing your wife's or somebody else's assessment of you more than God's. After all, we have been assigned as husbands an impossible task in the natural. That we're called, according to Ephesians 5.25, to love our wives uh, as Christ loved the church. You talk about totally unfair. i got to love my wife perfectly. All she's got to do is love me like the church loved Jesus. Unfair. How does that work in your how's that work in your mind? But the, the thing is, is we we're not just human. We're supernatural people. And if God tells me, if he commands me to love my wife like Christ loved the church, then you and I have the ability to do that. You and I have the grace, the power to do that and by by forsaking all doubt. God, you called me. Uh, you, the woman you gave me, you gave me, and you gave me grace for this woman. You gave me grace for, for my son. You gave me grace in, in this place. Amen? A lot of us are praying for you know, God to remove people out of our lives and you know, change things you know, according to our image. And, and all Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding that you and I will manifest Him in that place. Amen? And we need to stop. Uh, doubting the servant leadership grace that we have in us to lead. We, you know what doubts, John Osteen used to say this, uh, how many of you ever had a doubt? You know what doubts are made to do? Doubt. Doubt your doubts. Amen. Doubt. I doubt you. 
If they tell you, I, the, the doubt tells you in your mind, I doubt you can be a man of God. I doubt you, doubt. I believe the Word. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. My past doesn't define me, and other people's opinion of me don't define me. The finished work of the cross defines me. I now live and lead from a place of a son. I'm not an orphan, and I'm not a slave. I'm a son. Say, I'm a son. And I lead from a place of a son. I have confidence in that. I'm not performing. I'm not trying to do something. I'm not a do-to-be. Doing to try to be something. I am a man of God. I am the son of God. I am the best leader that, that I could have. I am the best husband for my wife. The best father for my children. I am called of God. I am the son of God. I am confident in where he called me. I am the best employee. I am the best pastor. I am the best whatever. I am God called me here. And you're going to use me. You're going to show out big time through me, Lord. Amen. And I'm going to stand in that grace, in confidence in that grace, not compare myself to someone else. Once we deal with wrath and doubting, now we, now we have landed. You still don't want to disembark. We, it could be hazardous to your health. Once, once we deal with these two enemies, now we can pray with prophetic insight into that situation where where, where we, wherever we tolerate anger and doubt, it, it limits our, our spiritual vision of what could be and what should be and what God wants to, wants to happen. If, if men everywhere will forsake that, they will see things through God's eyes and through His view and establish that. Instead of agreeing with what is, they'll see, uh, like Andrew said, they'll have that second look or that second vision or see twice into that situation and you'll see past the flesh into that person's life and declare what could be like like the angel came to Gideon and said hail thou mighty man of valor he's looking around who are you talking to and many times guys that's what God has given to you and me that kind of authority that kind of power that if we'll forsake wrath and forsake self-doubt and come in confidence as a, as a son of God, with the grace of God, then we can carry out the will of God in the lives that God's given us influence with. And we can give people the, their, their God-given potential, the power to become. Ephesians 4, verse 29, says, let no corrupt Word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. That's what you and I have the power to do, is impart grace to the hearer. Now come here, Zach, just a second. Okay, how many of you know you're, you, you and I are spirit, soul, and body? Okay. You know the parable that, that said the, the, the man found a treasure in a field. And he went and sold all and bought the whole field so he could get the treasure. Yeah? Okay. Is that true? Okay. We've been taught many times that, well, that was us seeing the treasure in Jesus. We left all and followed Jesus. Well, there's application to that. But the real truth of it is this, that, that God the Father in Jesus saw the treasure in us. 
And he went and sold all to buy the dirt and all to get to the treasure. And our job as spiritual leaders is to mine the new creation potential, the treasure, out of this dirt by, not, by seeing past the dirt, seeing past their failure, not knowing them after the flesh, and calling forth the new creation potential, the treasure that's on the inside of that man or that woman or that boy or that girl. And in doing that, I'm imparting grace to that person. The difference between grace and legalism is not so much what part of the Bible you preach from, Old Testament or New. It has altogether more to do with what part of man you speak to. Whether I speak at their flesh, because Zach's flesh cannot obey a New Testament principle. But if I'm speaking to his spirit man, he can obey a proverb out of the Old Testament. And how do I do that? Zach, what you've been doing by yielding to your flesh doesn't line up with the Word. But listen, you're better than that. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Amen? Amen. Second Corinthians, give him a good hand. Isn't that good? (laughs) Second Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's what? New creature. Old things are passed away, all things have become new. How many of you want to be uh, ministers of that to other people? You want to help people realize that? You cannot do it without going back to see what verse 16 says. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. You and I, as leaders, as men of God, it's our job to mine the new creation potential out of people by not allowing ourselves to get stuck at their flesh. Amen? It starts with us. But then we've got the power to go in every place, in every relationship, in every strata of life, everywhere we have influence, and say, God, I'm going to bring your kingdom to bear in this, in this situation. I'm not going to get stuck at people's flesh. I'm not going to yield to wrath and doubting. I'm going to draw on your grace and be the man of God that, that establishes the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. It's time guys, that we take our place in the grace of God. It's time that we stand in the place that we are and not agree that it's insignificant. Had I done that, I would not be here today speaking to you. God's got awesome influence for you, potential for you, and we've got to to decide, I'm going to stand in in God's grace in the place where he called me. Amen? Amen. If you'll do that, man, man of God, if you'll do that, and I want you to stand right now. I just want you to stand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my place as a man of God, and I'm going to pray for you. I want you to think for just a moment, what is it that looks impossible? You've lost hope in the natural you can't turn it around like my son Brian. And I'm telling you, Pastor Kevin, is this, is this true about, about Brian? Jay, is that true? You guys, are, you got, he's a man of God today. I'm telling you, it's awesome, guys. It's awesome. He's a man of God today. You know why? Because we didn't agree with what is. We, took, we decided, you know what, I'm not going to get stuck in his flesh. 
But it took, I mean, my, my wife came to me one day and she said, he'd put his fist through the wall. And she said, she called me up and she, and she said, either he goes or I go. He's 17 years old. I expounded the way of God more perfectly to him. But I told, I told Janice, I said, here's the deal. We win. I said, we win. The devil is not having my son. I'm not giving in because, because he yielded to the flesh. We're not going to agree with what is. We're going to call those things to be not. We're going to, everywhere we are, we're going we're to exercise spiritual authority. Amen. And I'm telling you, God turned his life around. In fact, Donald McMaster may be watching this, but he was my, later became my children's pastor. He, uh, he, he took it on his heart. to get, He's 15 years older than Brian. He went after Brian and started discipling him. God turned his heart around. Let me tell you, I wasn't the one that reached him, but I'm telling you, I'm the one that established spiritual authority for Donald to reach him. And God's got a minister for your son, for your daughter, for your, for your family member. And we've got to stop agreeing, men of God, with what is, and we've got to establish the kingdom of God, the will of God, and declare, Lord, Satan, you're moving over. You cannot have your way in that, in that person's life, in my, my family's life, in my wife's body, my whatever it is. So you think about that. Whatever that is right now, when you get that focused, whatever it is that you've got, you know you have authority over, but in the natural, it doesn't look good. When you get that focused in and locked in, lift your hand. And just say with me, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the grace, for the authority you've given to me as a son of God. I am not an orphan, I am not a slave. I'm a son, and I'm here today to declare I'm one of those who will, who will take my place, carry out your will, agree with your word, not agree with what I see that doesn't line up with your word. I declare, kingdom of God, come, will of God. Be done. Satan, move over. The Word of God, the love of God has authority. A greater than, than you has come. His name is Jesus, and it's Jesus in me. I'm in authority. God's given me authority, and I'm walking in authority, and you're moving over in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Come on, give him a shout. Give him a shout. 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 Shout for the Lord's giving us a city. We're taking possession. We're taking possession of our land. Not one hoof. The enemy was, is lost to the enemy. Shout for the Lord's given us the city. Amen. Give him a shout. One more shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Praise God. Andrew, praise the Lord. I'm done.